0: Hi, I'm Ashley Nichols. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan. And this is the Growing Democracy Podcast, a space for citizens, experts, and advocates to create community together. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about civic engagement, governance, and how to grow our democracy. This episode is part of our series on the power of political and civic engagement. We're talking with local elected officials, public officials, and community activists to learn more about what civic and political engagement means to them and how they're involved in their communities. This episode I love because so many of the episodes have been about systems change, which I think is absolutely fantastic, right? Um, But, you know, sometimes when we think about systems change, we lose sight of the fact that we as individuals um, are doing this work. And I, I think that's kind of it's a it's a really powerful episode to think about what what civic and political engagement means at the individual level.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that our uh, guest today talks about and, and is doing is <laughs> I think something that um, it would be useful for more people that are looking at how to uh, be civic and politically engaged uh, would benefit from hearing. And that is thinking about like how well, one, like how you create a community. Uh, of, of folks that you want to kind of pay something forward to but h- what do you pay for and how do you do that she really reflects on the things that she wishes she had now that when she was younger now that she's not right and how can she kind of create that resource for uh, individuals that look like her that are in the same kind of space as her that are in the same kind of community that looked like the one that she was in when she was that age. And so I think it's a really powerful and interesting way in which she's kind of uh, created a world in which she can have the most impact.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, and in some ways, as you were talking about this, I was also thinking about kind of, it's this ripple effect, right? So civic and political engagement in many ways is about kind of impacting the people in your sphere of influence and that ripples forward and, and seeking, you know, to be in those spaces where you're also then benefiting and that it's very much reciprocal. Um, I think I just mixed like 16 metaphors, but, and I, but I, I, I love this episode because it really, it grounds us right in, in what it means to show up as someone who wants to make a difference in their community. So I'm super excited to introduce the Uh, guest uh, alicia robinson excellent we're super excited today we're here with alicia robinson alicia robinson says that she has limitless ambition to empower women in northeast ohio The first generation college graduate says that her drive is inspired in part by her personal journey and from observing the impact of mass incarceration and gun violence in the community around her. She walked away from a career in fashion to pursue her passion and now works as the assistant director of the Women's Center at Kent State University. In this role, she's responsible for developing strategies, identifying resources for programs, services, and advocacy to secure equity for women identifying faculty, staff, and students. Additionally, I'd like to point this out, additionally, on top of that, um, Alicia grew the seed of an idea into Limitless Ambition, a fully functioning nonprofit organization that changes the way young women dream of their futures. She serves as Limitless Ambition's executive director, which has reached over 3,000 young women and girls through teen enrichment programs and workshops. Alicia holds a master's degree in human development and family studies and a bachelor's degree in fashion merchandising from Kent State. Alicia currently serves as the Greater Akron Chamber Women's Leadership Council and the Akron Urban League Young Professionals Leadership Team. So many things that you're involved in, Alicia. She's won various awards, including the 2019 Akron Women's Network Emerging Leader Award, the 2019 Cranes Cleveland Notable Women in Entrepreneurship Award, and the 2017 Greater Akron Chamber 30 for the Future Award. I'm so excited to have you on Mm the podcast. Hi. Excited to be here. (laughs) Excellent. All right. So that is your formal bio where we get to read all of the amazing things about you. Um, But I want to start by actually asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your work in kind of the Kent, Akron, Northeast Ohio region. Sure. Um, Thank you guys once again for having me. I'm so
2: excited to be here. And I think this is an amazing podcast. So in order to tell you all a little bit about myself, I kind of have to give you my mini life story, because I think that when I walk you through my life, you can kind of see how I kind of developed the passions that I have today. So I'm from a small town. It's called Warren. It's towards Youngstown in Ohio, but it's not Youngstown. It's Warren. People get that mistaken a lot. And so, I grew up in Warren. I am the only girl and the youngest of three. Um, I came from a good household. We were financially stable. However, my parents didn't go to college. So, when I was in high school, um, I followed my big brother's footsteps and I joined Upperbound. Bound. So Upper Bound is a pre-college prep program for low-income and or first-generation college students. So I got into that program, and because of that program, um, I'm positive, I w- like without it, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I did the Kent State University Upper Bound program, so I always tell my students, I've technically been on Kent State's campus since I was 14 years old. So I went through the upper bound program, and I think from that program, that's kind of where my desire to start a nonprofit for girls actually came from. So growing up, I saw a lot of different things: so mass incarceration, gun violence, a lot of drug violence, and then, you know, like I had a lot of friends who had teen pregnancies and things like that. Um, and then, too, like I experienced some things that you know typical young girls experience: so low, low self-esteem poor body image issues, unhealthy relationships. And so I always felt bad that I could go to upper bound, but my friends couldn't. Like my friends didn't get to go. And I knew at that age, like I was exposed to so many different things. So I was So Every summer I was staying on Kent State's campus. I was surrounded by college students. I was in a college environment. So walking through that, it really showed me that college was a possibility for me. Like without that, like I would have never knew. So I went through upper bound And true to form, I was like, well, what should I go to college for? So I did a quick Google search. Um, The only person I knew in my family with a degree at the time was a cousin, and she had a business degree, so I thought I had to get a business degree. I also liked the shop, stumbled upon fashion merchandising, um, and I saw how much a buyer made, the money... The, the number fit well with me. And so I chose fashion merchandising. At the time, Kent State, you know, their fashion school was world renowned. It was number one in the nation then. So I said, oh, I think I can get in. And I got in. Um and so I went through the Kent State fashion program. I even studied a semester in New York. My life was like the devil wears Prada. I was hopping on and off subway stations, getting people coffee the whole nine yards. So after graduating undergrad, I actually started working corporate. So, I did three years corporate at Joanne Fabric's corporate headquarters, which is in Hudson. So, as I was working there, you know, I just wasn't passionate when I was 19 years old. And so, when I was a sophomore in college, um, my dad actually died unexpectedly in a car accident. And from that, you know, I went through depression. I went through so many different things. And I landed in this purpose workshop that talked about purpose. And it talked about how the painful events that you go through plus your passion equal your purpose. And that was just a major healing thing for me. Like the fact that I went through painful things and I could turn around to help others around me, um, get through their, um, hurtful things really just really empowered me and really helped me to heal. So I'm sitting in corporate sitting in a cubicle. I'm like, I deserve more. I don't want to do this anymore. And actually, while I was working corporate is when I started my nonprofit. It was kind of like my outlet. When I first started it, it was just an Instagram page. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew like, oh, like, I want to do something to help girls. And so since then, it's evolved from the Instagram page to so much more. And I'll go into a little bit deeper about the nonprofit later. I started my nonprofit. And then a couple, well, maybe like a year into it, I did what you're not supposed to do. And I quit my first big girl job. I just quit. Like I walked in, and I, I've always been really good at like my job. Like I'm a good worker, so like my boss was like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Yes." So I tried to give a two day notice. My boss loved me so much; he didn't feel comfortable with me leaving without a job, so he wanted me to do a thirty day notice. And then I just I didn't take it. I just took the two days, and then I quit. Luckily, before that, I already started grad school, so I started my master's program. I took out some loan, extra loan money, which in retrospect I shouldn't have didn't done that, but it's fine. And I was just you know, going to just be a student. So I had a mentor who worked at Kent State. And of course, like up until then, I was like the upper bound success story, right? Like I went through college, got a good job in corporate, but now I'm quitting. So that was like a red flag for her. Like what's wrong? Let me get Alicia in the office, see what's going on. And so I went into her office and um, at the time the women's center was hiring a student worker. And so I walked over to the women's center at Kent State and the director at the time had my nonprofits website pulled up. And so she offered me a job right then. but I was just a student worker. And I'll never forget like my first check, couldn't even pay my cell phone bill, but it was okay. And so over the past six years, I've kind of worked my way up. So I went from a student worker to the graduate assistant of the Women's Center to the program coordinator of the Women and Gender Center. So I oversaw sexual assault work along with women's leadership initiatives. And now for the last three years, I have served as the assistant director at the Women's Center. So currently, um, you asked me to talk about what I do in the Northeast Ohio area. I work full time at Kent State University at the Women's Center. And then my full time passion at Limitless Ambition. I'm the executive director, so I operate everything. We'll get to that. And then um, I also sit on a few boards in the community. So that's kind of like my life story and what kind of led me to the work and how I got here.
1: So uh, basically, you're involved in everything. (laughs)
2: Everything. I'm very strategic about what I'm involved in. I get to that a little bit later as well. Because that's what everybody always says. I'm like, no, I watched hours of Netflix. Like, I promise I'm not like super busy. I prompt Pinky Swear. Like,
1: So one of the organizations that you're involved in is uh, the Urban League. Can you tell us about the Urban League, like the history of it and the programs that it operates? So
2: the Urban League is about ninety-four years old. The Akron Urban League, in particular, Um, and the mission of the Akron Urban League is to prove the quality of life of citizens in Summit County, specifically African Americans. And so they do this by multiple ways. Um, So through education, so they have a STEAM after-school program, um, a scholarship program, and a summer youth enrichment program. They're also really big on workforce development. So they take you know. Um, citizens through courses that help them discover, like, well, what am I passionate about? What should my career be? They also have a program called the Boss Program, which is actually one of my favorites, where they actually place um, 16 to 24-year-olds in jobs in Summit County. So it really helps teens kind of get a leg up, kind of get, you know, be productive with their time, start to build their resume, give them some experience and exposure. They also have um, really good entrepreneurship programs. So they work to help Black-owned businesses get the resources they need and to start up. And then they also have auxiliary programs. So, my involvement with the Akron Urban League is through their auxiliary program. And so, I am actually a part of the Akron Urban League Young Professionals, and I sit on their leadership team. I am the director of programming. And so, the Akron Urban League, the Akron Urban League Young Professionals is an emerging young professionals organization that carries out the mission of the Urban League, but also um, impacts the lives of emerging professionals in the area through professional development and also by giving them a platform to give back to the community through service and also through advocacy. So we do a lot of different things. Um, We host professional development sessions. We do things around advocacy. So we do a lot of things around like the census, voter registration, that type of thing. Um, We also, given the heightened um, visibility of police brutality in these last few weeks, we know there's a lot of different things happening. We know that Black people are being killed at massive numbers by the police. Um, so the Akron Urban Young Professionals has also been serving as um, a mental health support hub. So we've created a, we do a lot of mental health sessions, a lot of healing circles to help you know our members really kind of you know grapple through all that is going on twenty twenty has not been easy, to say the least. And so the goal of our organization is to really uplift and empower our members while also um, impacting the community in a positive way. We have over 60 members, so I'm really excited yes. about that. Um, I mentioned earlier the Urban League has been around for about 97 years. They just had a new CEO. Her name is Mrs. Teresa LeGrier and she's amazing. She used to work at the Akron Community Foundation, so she comes with just a breadth of knowledge around grants and um, community engagement, and she's done some really amazing work already and she's only been there for about a year but the Akron Urban Young Professionals we're only like three years old so we're just getting started but we already have like 60 members and I've done a lot of amazing things um so that's a little bit about that any other questions about Akron Urban?
0: Yeah a little bit actually so you know you you've already touched on it but I just want to follow up a little bit because we've had these some of these conversations on other episodes as well right but we're in a moment when racial justice is salient in the, in the minds of lots of people because of police brutality, because of violence against people of color that are, is not new, but is currently, um, in the kind of the public discourse. Mm-hmm. How do organizations like the Urban League work to kind of dismantle or disrupt, um, these systems of oppression or white supremacy, racism as they permeate? Like what, how do you, how do you see the work of the Urban League in that space?
2: So the Urban League, I think that when you talk about dismantling the system and societal oppression and everything, I always say it can be done at a macro level and at a micro level. So the beautiful thing about the Akron Urban League is that it's an affiliate of the National Urban League. So there are urban leagues all over the country. There's a the Columbus Urban League, Houston, they're all over the country. Um, and I really feel like they act as like beacons of light within the Black community. And the reason why they can kind of disrupt the system from a macro level is because they're all on one accord, right? So since we all are under the National Urban League, we're all fighting towards the same goals. We're all moving in the same direction, even though we're across the country. So for example, um, this year, the National Urban League's big push was the census, right? So in 2010, when they did the census, it was found that six out of 10 Black people were not counted. And that's a big that's a huge issue because we know the census dictates where a lot of resources go um, and different things of that nature. So as so the National Urban League made it a mission of all the urban leagues to really push the census. So now you have all of these different organizations across the country running towards the same goal, which I think is amazing. And I think that that's a really big way to really kind of dismantle the system, so to speak. Um, they also work together um, on policy change. They also can put put out different statements towards various things to kind of get the ball moving forward. So I think that those are always great ways. Um, and they also act like as a leader in the community. So that's more so like the macro level. When I think about the micro level um, in urban leagues in general, I just think about kind of the programs I shared with you, being able to work within communities to teach members how to navigate Um, Those systems of oppression, how to bridge people out of poverty into a higher social economic class, different things like that, I think are very important, the workforce development piece, and then also education around different things. So there are stigmas, you know, in the community. So for example, I gave the example about census. It's a stigma in the Black community to give how many people are in your household, because what if you're, you know, living in a development that you should only have this many people, but you have more people, so now you don't want to be counted. So it's different things like that, and it's oftentimes like, a double whammy sometimes. And so I think it's important to have, you know, education within to really help kind of shift the narrative around certain things. I think that organizations also, I touched on it earlier, really restore hope in communities. So it is hard to find hope. especially in the current moment. So I think that um, being connected with an organization or with people who really care about you, who really care about the betterment and your well-being and a, of your family, who give you the resources you truly meet, need while you're trying to make ends meet, really help a lot as well. So I think that they kind of tackle it at like a macro and a micro level.
1: Yeah. I mean, that idea of community and providing but providing without judgment mm-hmm. like that you're seen and that this is this is a space for you to be who you are that's uh, that's so important and powerful. So, not only are you the assistant director of the Kent State Women's Center and involved with the Akron Urban League, you also run your own nonprofit organization. So, can you tell us a little bit more about Limitless Ambition? Um, Yes.
2: Yeah. So, Limitless Ambition is a 501c3 nonprofit organization um, that serves Northeast Ohio. We're about six years old now, which is, oh my, it's so, I can't even believe I'm saying that. And so, we basically have four pillars of which we operate out of. So, we do teen enrichment programs in inner city schools. So, we go go and typically in non-COVID times, this now we're virtual, but we will usually go into the schools during the school day um, and run girls groups, and we would get groups of girls together and talk about self-esteem, body image, emotional regulation, leadership development, goal setting, and just really provide a safe atmosphere, a safe space for them to just be their authentic selves. So we're in Akron Public Schools and a couple Cleveland schools right now. We also um, just launched about a year and a half ago, thanks to our um, founding president, Zinga Hart. This was her brainchild who also works at Kent State. She developed an initiative called the Dream Kit So what we've done is we take our curriculum, we put it in a care package, and we send it to young girls in foster care who have been impacted by trauma. So the theory behind that is we really want to keep girls dreaming in the midst of their circumstance. Um, And it was very important once COVID hit, because out of nowhere, our programs came to a screeching halt, everything stopped. So um, last spring, we actually gave out over 50 dream kits to the girls in our programs and also girls in foster care, Um, just to show them that you know times may seem dark, but somebody loves you, somebody cares about you, somebody is thinking of you. Um, so Dream Kits, they, they've taken off. They're really hot. Um, so that's one of our initiatives. We also give out a couple scholarships a year to graduating um, high schoolers to help um, fuel their academic journey. And then we also do women's empowerment events in the community. One of our biggest one we do is called Ladies of Legacy, and it's actually our annual gala where we feature a few women in the community who share their story of how they've overcome adversity to achieve success. Um, It's an amazing event. We also invite 50 high schoolers to come for free. um, and It also doubles as a fundraiser for us. This year, we couldn't do it. I was really sad. I'm still kind of sad about it. So we have like kind of a video that we're coming out with. And then we also do other women's empowerment events. Shameless plug, in October, um, we're having Limitless Month. And so every Wednesday, we will be having a women's empowerment talk at six o'clock, just for an hour, just around various things. And um, the talks are led by a couple of my board members. So we talk about pushing past pain to pursue your purpose, um, shifting your mindset unfolding your purpose and like kind of strategic planning. And then I ended off with a a talk around launching your legacy. So I go into detail about how to actually, you know, start a nonprofit or start some type of grassroots initiative that you want to create change. So we've been up for about six years. Um, We've impacted the lives of over 3000 women. So this is the time where people always ask like, well, how do you do this? Like, how are you doing this? So I have a team of over 20 women right now. So we have a board of directors with 13 women on it. So they govern and they oversee. We have committees on the board of director level. Um, And then I also have a volunteer team that's on the organizational side. It's about 10 women. And we have like, so I have program facilitators that are college students that go in and actually deliver the programs. Of course, we have somebody over social media. We have a new tech team. So I was so blessed to get two women and they actually built our virtual program. And we also will be coming out with an e-learning full virtual program um, in 2021. So That's awesome. So there are a team of people. So it's not just me, um, and the team is actually quite big. Like it's like some days I want to quit, but then like team was like no. So even the other day I'm meeting with one of our program facilitators. I'm like, well, since it's virtual, maybe we should shorten the program to just four weeks. And my program facilitator is like, no, let's do the whole ten week program. We'll be fine. The girls will love. Me. So I think that it's definitely around like having um, a village of women um, around me to support. Like, woman's submission isn't mine. It's a team effort, definitely. So that's a little bit about limitless ambition.
0: I love the. I love. I mean, I. I just. Um. Yeah. The the creating spaces so that other people you can can do it together. But and this actually, you know, you're involved in so many different ways in the community, right? But they're and they're all different manifestations of nonprofit organizations, right? Mm-hmm. So from a service to educational and you know to more fraternal organizations all of these different kind of ways in which you're engaged what draws you to these nonprofit spaces what is it about nonprofits that you're just like oh i'm you know So I don't know. I feel like I ended up here by accident. Like I really do. So like, I don't know, like what, but at the
2: end of the day, like I said, I'm very into purpose and passion. Um, And at the end of the day, my number one purpose is to create spaces and environments where black women and black people can really thrive and be their best selves. And that just keeps landing me in the nonprofit space. So it seems like I'm in a lot of different things, but everything actually really speaks to each other other very nicely. So my areas of focus are research or women's leadership development and the economic liberation and advancement of Black people, right? So when you look at the hats that I wear, I work at a women's center. I have a women empowering nonprofit. I sit on some community agencies that empower women and Black people. And so it all overlaps very nicely. And I say no to everything else which is really hard. Cause I, I stumble upon a new passion every day, but I've definitely, you know, my mid twenties were that time where Alicia was in eight meetings a day. Now we're a bit older and like, I value my sleep. I value my self-care, which I'll get to in a second. Um, So I always tell people like, I'm not busy. I just live a purposely driven life. And I really suggest that to a lot of people. A lot of times we want to really, really help. You don't know where, so you're just everywhere. But if you're running on empty or if you're spread too thin, you're really not being as efficient or effective as you can be. So the last couple of years, I really just kind of zoned in on what exactly I wanted to be a part of. I used to be a part of a lot of young professional organizations. And I think that that's how I landed at the Akron Urban League, because I I realized with my skill set with my background with my experience and even just the privileges I have to sit in different seats in other areas of my life I really wanted to make sure I was spending my time giving back to my community specifically so I definitely rolled off of a couple of different organizations to open up time in my schedule to do the things that I'm most passionate about. So,
1: yeah, I mean, so to, to continue doing all this work at so many different organizations, I mean, you really have to have a, an internal motivation to push through it. So what is it that motivates you to keep doing all this
2: work? Um, I think what definitely motivates me is my purpose. Um, so I really believe that my purpose um, is making an immediate impact on, in my sphere of influence. So I always feel like, you know, anybody I can touch is very important. So being a black woman, first generation college student, um, it's given me this lens in life to just see a lot of inequities. Like I see, you know, I look back on my life and I think about, well, if somebody would have told me this at 18, that would have helped me so much further. If somebody would have told me this at 12, if I could have had the opportunity to go do this or to see this, like I understand what exposure and what education does. And And I honestly feel that in my heart of hearts, the fact that I've made it this far, like I have a calling and definitely a duty to turn around and help the generations after me. So I think it's very important to empower those who are coming behind me. So whenever I feel down or whenever I feel hopeless, I think about those coming behind me and it really fuels me. Also, to give a more practical answer, I'm really big on self-care and I've realized that the more committed I stay to my self-care regimen, it always leads me back to my purpose, which is to create change in the community. So if I'm feeling drained, I'm feeling super sad, um, it's different things that I do every single day to really just like reignite me, re-energize me to keep me going. I also know when to take a break and when to be quiet. I told you both earlier before the podcast started that this is my first time speaking outwardly in the last three months. I definitely was in a place of, you know, rebuilding, refocusing, healing, processing, like everything that has gone on. I never thought, like, it just, I can't believe that this is our reality. And so when you also, when you do diversity work and where you're already like working in the community, it's really hard to see certain things that can be very like balloon plate, like it inflates your balloon it inflates, you know, your energy. So I definitely feel like, Self-care is important. And then also mentorship keeps me motivated. So I definitely stand on the shoulders of many strong Black women who came before me. Um, I have a lot of mentors. I lean on them a lot. And then also I mentor a lot. So I have a lot of mentors and I have a lot of mentees. And I think that the constant evolution of being poured into and then also pouring out is very, very motivating. So even on a down day, I have a student call me saying, hey, I got the job, or hey, I started my business, or hey, you know, I, I pulled the F up to a C, or, you know, anything, um, just that light, like when you see that purpose light turn on in other people, it is very infectious, and it definitely recharges my battery to keep going. So I think that that's what keeps
0: me motivated. I love that. hmm Alicia and I have a the ben, i the, i i benefit from her wisdom all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I showed up. I, I tell I, Alicia knows this story, but uh, I, I'll tell it kind of generally. So I'm, had a, I had le- I worked at a women's center. So when I showed up on Kent State's campus, I was like, "I'm going to show up in this space." So since I've been there, um, I've been welcomed uh, by everyone. But Alicia and I have made it a point to connect regularly. So.
2: Yes, Ash- please know that it goes. <laughs> definitely one of my mentors He's me together as well. <laughs> my academic mentor. I don't know you, I don't know if you knew you were in that
0: category, but that's where you're at. <laughs> and all of the like the the pool the buckets, right <laughs> I love it. So in the growing, with the Growing Democracy Project, one of the things that we're really interested in is thinking about the power of civic and political engagement, right? And so, so much of the work that you're doing in terms of whether it's through mentorship or your nonprofit work or your volunteer work, wherever it is, like so much of it is really kind of about the power of civic and political engagement. Why, and, and this is kind of just a, a general question, but, you know, from your perspective, why is civic and political engagement important? to you in in your communities? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I feel like I've said the word purpose like 80,000 times today, but it's, I just listened to a good podcast on it the other day too. But mm-hmm. I also feel like, so I really have a strong belief that we're all created with a purpose to do something that impacts the lives of somebody else. And when you really operate from that, it keeps you encouraged, it keeps your hopes up, it keeps you driving towards something. So I really believe that that's why we're here. When I read this question, it made me really think about allyship. So i get in a lot of talks and no matter what I'm in the room to talk about, if I'm in eight times out of 10, sometimes I am the only black person in the room. So I'm the voice. So we're talking, we're going back and forth. And then I always get the question, like, I just want to do something, but I don't want to do the wrong thing. And so I just end up doing nothing. And so I don't know really what to do. And I don't want people to look at me and I don't want. So then I always say like, at the end of the day, we all have spheres of influence. So to create civic change, political change. You don't have to run for president. You don't have to run for city council. You don't have to run for anything. You literally can impact the sphere that you're in. So if you work a regular nine to five and you go to work and you're in a meeting and they're making big decisions and you look around the table and and everybody looks like you, nobody looks different. You can raise that awareness. You can bring a diversity inclusion training to your job. You can, you're riding down the street, you see somebody getting pulled over by the police. You can slow down and stop. I had a friend yesterday actually tell me this story about how, and it was very triggering. So I also want to stop and put a triggering warning out there too. Like, she was like, I can share this with you because you're you. No, you can't. I'm very triggered by the police right now. Like, I don't want to hear about how you roll past a police officer pulling over a black person and then you didn't even stop. You kept going. And then you tell me this. Like, I don't want to hear that. Like, that's not something like, I don't want to hear that. But I digress. Using her example, you can stop. You can pause. You can look back. You can check to make sure people are okay. Um, you can check your own biases. Like we all were born with a lens that we see through and it's okay. Like that's okay. You can assess your own areas of privilege. Like I feel like people, privilege is such like a taboo word, but like we all, I have a degree. I have a couple of degrees. I sit in a seat of privilege. Like I'm lower middle class. I'm not rich, but like that's still a a place of privilege. Like we all have, we are all in seats that other people don't have the opportunity to be in. So you can always be a voice for somebody else. You can always advocate for somebody else. You can see who's not in the room and pull them in the room. There's just so much work to be done. That can be done by everybody. Like I remember when I first started Limitless Ambition in the early years, it was, "But well, what do we need that for? We have Girl Scouts, we have Boys and Girls Club, we have, you know." Even now, like I help people start nonprofits that empower girls all the time. You want to know why? Because there's billions of girls out there that need to be empowered. Like. It just blows my mind when people are like, oh, well, I want to start a business. But, you know, people are already doing it. We have Adidas. We have Nike. Like, how many different shoe brands do we have? They didn't say that. Like, there's so many. Like, no, there's so many people that need help. And we can do it in our own sphere. I'll get off my soapbox now. So to circle back around to the question. I think it's important for everybody to be civically and politically powered because I feel like it's our job to create not only a better world for us now, but for those who come behind us. I think that we are living in the consequences of those who came before us because of certain decisions. I think we all have a, all, we all have a part to play to really make sure that you know, this is a place of love and kindness and various things like that. I love that.
1: <laughs> I, I know. I, it's, it's such a great um, I love the pay it forward <laughs> aspect of, I got this now I'm going to hand it to someone right. else because you can do something with right. that too and there's just a lot of power behind that so a lot of the programs and organizations that you're involved with tend to s- focus on this like individual level actions and self-empowerment to engage in you know government and governance to make change do you see this approach as Complementary to or kind of competing with a more uh, social change kind of systems level approach?
2: Can you expand a little bit on like social change systems levels approach? So, for instance, there are
1: organizations that seek to go out there and, uh, let's say, make big policy change, whether they, you know, maybe that city level, maybe that state level, but um, to maybe regulate that something needs to happen differently or the idea of like defunding the police that would be like a systems level change but yours seem to be more like individual level that you as an individual you can go out there with purpose and do something uh to to affect this this change from yourself
2: so i think that with that i don't think it's either or i think it's both and I'm very big on like it needs to be done at both levels so I'm really into policy change as well I definitely feel like I think about the social change model and how like it takes all of these different things to really move the needle forward so I just kind of situate myself um currently in this way but like I was just talking to somebody I think Ashley about like I'm really obsessed with power and climbing the I always tell people you have to climb the ladder to change the ladder so the only reason why I feel like I'm so individual focused right now is because I haven't climbed high enough but once I get up there Then we will be sprinkling out change everywhere. But I think it definitely is, it's a both and. I definitely think, and I always tell my students, I had one student, she was a political science student, she was going off to the women's march a couple years ago, and she's like, If I get arrested, I'm calling you. And I'm like, first of all, don't call me because I don't have no money. As my mom always says, my money don't go to jail, so don't call me. But also I felt like too, like, well, if you go off and get arrested, like Who's going to graduate from college and go, you know, work in D.C.? Who's going to be the, you know, the legislators that, you know, we need like to be evolving people up and through so they can be the leaders, so they can be work on Congress. They can be the ones, you know, in the seats of power so they can create the things that really, really need to be created to make this a more equitable environment. So I think it's um, both and. And that's actually like. My goal is I really would love to be, like, on some type of, like, national policy committee where I'm the one. Like, I just need, I always say, I've been saying this for, like, since I was, like, a kid. Like, I just want to get in a room where all the decisions are made so I can make them. That's all I want. I don't think that's too big. I feel like that's an achievable goal. It's a smart goal. I think that that's,
0: <laughs> I don't think that's happening for too long. I was, I was having this conversation. totally, tell me if I'm off, like, this is your story, not my story. But like, I totally was having this conversation with someone else. I was like, I also want to be at the seat. Like, where I want to be at the table where people are making decisions. So like, everybody's like, just say no, just say no. And I was like, but if I'm not there, yes. like, Definitely. Yeah.
2: like, I need to be in the room because whoever's in the room. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
0: I think it's related to one of the things you said previously and tell me, like, again, tell me if, um, this is, uh, irrelevant, but I I was talking with a student recently and I was like, you know, when you're thinking about civic engagement and you're thinking about kind of showing up to spaces, it, uh, one of the conversations we were having was about like showing up, like figuring out when to show up and figuring out when to pull back. Right. right? Like if all of a sudden you're taking up all the space and then that's me right now, that's me in this moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but, like, if all of a sudden you're taking up all the space, then maybe you need to do some self-reflection. And like, if you're, if you're like, taking up space because you need to be there um, and your voice hasn't been heard, then do it all day, every day. And I think that also
2: to add just even, like, a part three to that, because I think we've seen a lot of this as of late, like, also if you're empty and you can't show up, that's also okay, too. Like, yeah. I feel like, honestly, especially with this work, this anti-racism work, I'm gonna be all the way honest. I also don't know anti racism committees. I don't, I ain't starting no anti racism book clubs. I don't like none of that. The most I've done is like consult with like my out, like, you know, my white sisters who wanna start these. Like I'll consult with them helping, like showing them how to start them or like, you know, just giving like top level advice. Or, or um, now, of course, like I work directly just with the students or directly with the population, like the marginalized population that's being impacted. I also feel like at the end of the day, it's not the job of the oppressed to like, yeah. you know, shift anything. You know what I mean? And so like, I do feel like I'm gifted in dialogue across difference. So I do feel, I do have a gift to like go in front of a room of, you know, white women and explain to them why intersectional feminism is relevant and important and what they can be do to be an effective ally. Like I do have that gift. Like I, I will be honest. So I will do that in different spaces whenever I feel comfortable to do it. But I also feel like um, it's important to also think about what you're comfortable with. Think about how drained you are. Think about, you know, especially getting paid like they don't pay black women. But anyways, I digress. You know, like I just feel like it's also OK
0: to say no if you don't have it in you to say no. I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a it's a perfect compliment. Right. Mm-hmm. Like take up space where you can take up space, pull back when you weren't invited or when you are drowning out other people's voices that need to be there especially I say this as a white woman right Right. I don't know if people on the that are listening recognize this (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm a white woman so like this is really important for me like right yeah um but also like yeah very much so like you know, there are times I don't want to be that voice. Like, no.
1: Right. As as a, another white woman, I mean, I feel like that. What one of the things we can do is we can do the kick in the door approach. Yeah, and, and this is what I do: is I kick in that door and then I stand back, <laughs> <laughs> I get in that room, and make oh, the decisions.
2: I'll, <laughs> I'll
1: do I'll do the shit work that might get me I don't know get my foot hurt okay. or whatever, and then fill the room. I love yeah. that. I'm that, I'm, Can
2: you. I take that? Can I take that?
1: Okay. It's all yours. I love that,
2: Cause I think that that's exactly what needs to happen. Um, and it has happened, you know, like I have a lot of good allies in my circle and that are my friends and like in my network. And so I definitely see a lot of work being done and it's beautiful. I think that one, one of the silver linings of this current moment with everything going on is that, um, people are showing up, you know, um, voices are being heard. Things are being, you know, I found out that. Well, we always knew, but like things are being put <laughs> at higher, you know, visibility. And I really do have hope that like things will continue to transition in a way for change. Hopefully it just gets, it, it does get discouraging though.
1: Well, I think that through the work you're doing, that we can see that there is a lot of light at the end of yeah. that tunnel. And that I just, I'm, I'm so excited for, for the next generation of, of girls that are privileged enough to to get to go through. Yeah. All of the training that you're offering to see what yeah. they do in the
2: world.
0: I mean, I just like you're going to have thou- like thousands of people out there that are just like that. You were that spark for them. Oh, right. You. <laughs> Don't get <too> <laughs> <laughs> me. Um, so I, I think we just have one last question, which is just like what what words of wisdom do you have to share um, with our listeners? Like, what would what do you want to put out in the world that we haven't yet? talked about? Um, So when I read this question, I was
2: thinking like, the only thing I can think of is Luminous Ambition's tagline for some reason. And I have a lot of favorite quotes and podcasts, but you want me to go deeper into like, what podcast do you read? What do you do? Like I could definitely get, cause I'm very, I'm very big on like tangible takeaways. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't say I'm going to a talk and I'm like, okay, so what do I do in my life? But <laughs> so the first thing I would like to say is luminous Ambition's Uh, mantra is dream, believe, achieve. So if you can dream it and you truly believe it, you definitely can achieve it. So I meet a lot of women and young girls who like they have this idea or they have this business or they have this nonprofit or they want to be a lawyer or they, you know, they have these big dreams and for whatever reason, they, they're just stopped. So whether it's, well, I don't have the money. I need to go back to school. I'm too busy. Um, You know, I'm a mom, like just various things that are kind of stopping them from pursuing their passion. So my number one thing that I just want to say to everybody is start right now, today, at this very moment. There's never going to be a right time for anything. Um, When I was younger, a lot of people used to always say that to me, but now I really see like, there's never going to be a right time. We're never not going to be busy. We're never, you know, things are never going to not be this hard. Like, this is life. I was listening to one of my favorite authors at the current moment, Rachel Hollis. She's amazing. And she talked about how people keep saying like, oh, I can't wait till 2020 is over. When 2020 is oh, like 2020 like once it, on January 1st 2021 everything is not going to just automatically change. I um, mean I found a really powerful quote about like if you can't find happiness right here where you are, you'll never find it. So I think it's very important that we all really just go within and think about what really brings us purpose, passion, joy and really really focus on those things and stop putting them on the back burner for other things and other people. Like we can do it. Like you can do it. Like start now, start today. Somebody needs you, you need you. And I think that that's like the most big, like the biggest thing. Like every little thing helps. Every little thing helps. Like I have a girl on my on Limitless Ambitions team. Her only job is to take things off of Instagram and put it on LinkedIn and Twitter. That's it. And that is just, like, a life-saving change for me because, you know, you got to, like, reword the stuff on Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, that just always gets put on the back burner by accident. But, like, so that, like, so every little thing helps. And if, like, you're not an entrepreneur you don't know where to start, find an organization that really speaks to your heart. There's so many, especially grassroots startup organizations that volunteers really, especially dependable, reliable, long volunteers are literally everything so if even it like you're giving back a serving on something like that's beautiful even if you're giving back starts with yourself so I want to implement a bubble bath in my life. I want it like the well-being of you is also very important should I elaborate on anything else?
1: I think that you did a great job of bringing a lot of passion uh, <laughs> just to this podcast and we're very lucky that you came on with us
0: you rock, thank you I appreciate it. I'm super excited to now share this with the world so everybody else knows how cool you are. (laughs) Thank
2: you. This has definitely been very recharging for me. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, Shameless plug, since this is with the world. So my nonprofit is Limitless Ambition. So you can find it at www.limitlessambition.org. And also, if you want to support the Akron Urban Young Professionals, that will be awesome, too. The link will also be in the notes um, for you to see how you can give back and support us as well. So thank you all for your time. I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Growing Democracy podcast. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan, and my co-host is Ashley Nichols. Our podcast is edited by Jeremy Demery at Gold Knox Studio right here in Cleveland, Ohio, and supported by the American Political Science Association. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, growingdemocracyoh.org. Join us next time when we continue this conversation about political and civic engagement.